If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Good evening to all of my fellow Yankees fans and welcome to episode 23 of the Yapping Yankees podcast where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host Mike Scudero here on this Sunday, November 24th, 2019. A rainy and cold and disgusting day, literally my least favorite kind of day as if I haven't already mentioned about 57 times now how much I hate the cold but I just can't stand it. But let's get things started by, as always, giving our first of many shout-outs to the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. They feature Team Left Jab Boxing Radio, Team Left Jab Uncensored, and, of course, the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Be sure to go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms and check out their great sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, you name it. Be sure to check out Team Left Jab, guys. Now let's get on to this. This week's poll on Instagram and Twitter, as we usually do each and every week. And it's a really good one this week, and I feel it's really appropriate to what's been talked about mostly throughout the week between the main talking topics throughout the week have definitely been Jeter being on the Hall of Fame ballot, and of course, the Yankees releasing Ellsbury, Greg Bird, and Nestor Cortez, and the one that's really had a lot of discussion around it for obvious reasons that we'll get to is, of course, the Jacoby Ellsbury situation, and that's who the poll was about. So let's get to that right now. It got quite a bit of interaction on both Instagram and Twitter. On Twitter, right now it has about 200 votes and I just posted about four hours ago usually the ones that I post and then record a few hours after some more results and replies come in as time goes along even after the the podcast is released so this one will probably finish with about three to four hundred votes by the time it's done as each and every poll usually does so here's this week's poll question that I had you guys vote on and reply on in the comments and of course you will get your shout outs as you do every week here's the question Do you think the Jacoby Ellsbury contract was the worst signing the Yankees ever made? Now, there's some thought that goes into this because throughout time, the Yankees have made some pretty bad signings. I mean, two of which you'll hear a lot of in these replies in Carl Pavano and Kay Agawa, along with others like Clemens, Kenny Rogers, A.J. Burnett for most of his career here. I mean, I give him credit for game two of 09, but nonetheless, he's still hard to defend. Some may even include A-Rod, depending on personal feelings, Kevin Euclid, Nick Johnson was a huge disappointment. So j- just to name a few, I could go on all day, but those are just a few names for you. So the Yankees have had some bad signings throughout history, but the question is, do you think Jacoby Ellsbury was the absolute worst? Now, I think this is a fair question because of the timing of it. It's been a hot topic this week, and of course, a lot of people, including myself, and we'll get to that later, feel very strongly about the lack of production that Jacoby Ellsbury had here with the Yankees since he was signed for the 2014 season and has been here since and will no longer play here since he was cut in the middle of this week. So here are the results. The two choices, of course, were yes, it was the worst signing the Yankees ever made, or no, there have been worse signings. And the choice of yes won by 63% to 37%. So a lot of the people that have voted in this poll, about 200 of you so far, and there are bound to be more, believe that the Jacoby Ellsbury contract was the worst signing the Yankees ever made. So that's, that's pretty bold. I'm intrigued by those results, not only because I do happen to agree 
but it's good to hear you guys' opinions, and that's why I give you guys the chance to reply for the interaction factor on the podcast and giving you guys the shout-outs and just putting the thoughts of the Yankee community out there because this podcast is for the Yankee community after all, right? So let's get to some of those replies. We'll start off with my girlfriend at Vic Salimo. She said, I voted yes. I feel that he took full advantage of the Yankees organization. He wasted their time and money, which could have been allocated to players who are clearly better and really wanted to play. I hope that he truly violated the contract just so he doesn't get paid. I definitely understand that. I mean, I definitely don't think he earned any of the money in that contract. I mean, we'll get to some of Jacoby's stats later on in the podcast episode, but the fact of the matter is, even throughout those stats, when you look at them, yeah, you see some stats that are pretty good. They pop out, but other than that, mainly credited for his good defense and his speed, of course, was any of it really worth anything around $20 million annually? nowhere near it if you ask me. So I I agree with that and I definitely agree that if he violated the contract, then definitely I I do agree with the fact that they should be able to get at least some of the $26 million that they have owed to him in 2020. So I definitely do agree with that. Now, next we have at AlexBHLZ. Yes, because of the dollar amount. He had legit decent seasons early, then injuries killed any chance at value. If he made half as much, maybe it's not the worst of all time. However, would Talkman have arrived if Els wasn't hurt? Well, I don't know about what would have happened if Ellsbury didn't get hurt. Would Talkman have arrived? I think Talkman arrived because there were tons of injuries, not just to Ellsbury, but to Hicks, to Judge, to Stanton. There were many more injuries other than just Ellsbury that accounted for guys like Talkman having a big play for the 2019 team. But I, I do see what you're saying, and it really is the dollar amount because, as I said before, there are some decent stats that Ellsbury put up, but decent does not amount to the amount of money he was paid. He didn't earn a large amount of that money that he was given by the Yankees. Then we had my good friend at Laura underscore Icemont. Yes, too much money and too many years, especially since he was MIA for the last two seasons. Side note, if Ellsbury did violate his contract, I hope the Yankees win their grievance or else there goes $26 million for next season. And as you know, Laura, I did already say, I definitely agree with that statement. That money could be put to much better areas of need, such as legitimate starting pitching. So we'll definitely see what happens there, and I definitely do agree with him being MIA for the last two seasons entirely. Didn't see any playing time in 2018 and 2019. Don't forget about that. It was just a disastrous signing from the start. I could not agree more with that. And if he did violate it, then I do hope the Yankees get at least a piece of that $26 million back, definitely. So that could go to areas of need more so than anything. Then up next, we had at Timothy J. Spear. He says the Carl Pavano signing was the worst. He went on the DL for breaking his ass. <laughs> I mean, Timothy's not wrong there, <laughs> so I, I can't really argue with that. Then we had Tina at Mountain Gal 456, one of the best listeners out there. She said, I voted yes. I can't remember one that was worse, and we've had a few, but I can't even remember the last time he played for us. Terrible signing. Also, if he violated any rules, that would be some relief for the Yankees to be continued. And I, yeah, that's that's for sure. I definitely agree with that. By the way, you said you can't remember the last time he played. I believe it was in the 2017 American League Championship Series <laughs> because 2017 was the last time he was seen at all because he obviously wasn't around for any of 2018 or 2019. So that's a good point, not being able to even remember the last time he played. I mean, what does that tell you? Then we had at VR Srinath, Carl Pavano, and Kei Agawa. Always will be worse from my perspective. While the impact of not having Jacoby wasn't felt too bad, those pitcher spots hurt us bad. Definitely a top five bust, but he actually had promise. 
Well, if you're saying that Ellsbury had promise, I mean, other than one really good year in 2011 and, you know, some good speed numbers and being good at defense, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure how much promise there was. And, you know, with offense, other than 2011, he really didn't do anything that pops out at you offensively throughout his career other than that one year. Then we had at C Pizza IA. Yes, because of the total money and years, but Egawa and Pavano were just as bad, just not for as long or as expensive. And yes, that's true. It really does come down to the money of it and whether or not these people earned it. Then we had at CLEF6, got less production from Carl Pavano, but Ellsbury deal was obviously bad the moment it was announced. And yes, I, I couldn't agree more with that. As if I didn't say it enough already, the one big thing for me when Ellsbury was first signed, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was saying they're really giving him that much money with one good year in his career, one really, really solid year that many debated he should have even won MVP, which I, I won't argue with. Those were damn good numbers he put up in 2011. I believe it was 321 batting average, 32 homers, and 105 RBIs for a leadoff hitter. Incredible. Plus his great defense and his great speed numbers with stolen bases and everything like that. I don't think that's a bad argument. But yet again, that was really the one phenomenal year throughout his career. When I saw that, I was like, they're really giving him that much money for one really good year, essentially. And not to mention that nobody even came close to the contract that the Yankees gave him as far as signing him and outbidding each other for him. The Yankees signed him to the most by far. wasn't even close. At peace now for life. Definitely one of the absolute worst. I feel like the Yankees just wanted to steal him away from the Red Sox after his one great year. This contract was not well thought out. I could not agree with that more. I couldn't agree with it more. Then we had at Krang44. I said yes because I'm just mad at the world. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> at Long Island underscore Tony. Two words, K Igawa. There's a lot of people feeling strongly about K and that's totally valid. Then we had at John Mac 333 K was pennies compared to this. 150 million is by far the Yanks' worst mistake. So Johnny definitely acknowledging the money portion of Ellsbury's contract being a big mistake. Then we had at Big Rican Man, Giancarlo says, hold my beer. Well, the one thing I'll say about this is that it's, it's a bit different. The Yankees signed Ellsbury to his contract. They thought up the contract and signed Ellsbury to it, as opposed to Stanton's situation when they took on Stanton's contract that was created by Miami. So it's a little bit different, although I do get what you're trying to say, but it is different. At I am poet just Greg, Hideki Arabu, Carl Pavano, Kayagawa. Those are good arguments, definitely. Then we had at Julian Guillarte one, yes, because of the length and dollars. And that's really what I was saying, really. So again, I agree with that. At Rocket J26, been worse. Britt Burns never pitched an inning in the 80s. Carl Pavano was out boozing, getting into car accidents when supposedly rehabbing an injury, not drugs or alcohol. What did they get? 10 starts? That's hard to argue, and Britt Burns, another name. At Kilroyce, I voted no because he wasn't around. The contracts like Agawa and Pavano hurt more because they ate up spots. In the, in the last two years, he wasn't around. That's, that's no doubt about that, and he did miss plenty of games, even from 2014 to 2017, but he did play an okay amount of games, which it should be much more in the amount of time that he's been here. I'm not arguing that. Trust me, not arguing that. Agawa and Pavano, definitely big names, and it's tough to dispute those. Probably the better arguments for Yankees' worst signings. But I do understand for 2018 and 2019, Ellsbury was definitely not here at all. At Kingston, J.R. Light. It's a bad one, possibly worst. But despite what the George Romanticists say, 
he had a slew of terrible signings. I, I won't argue George Steinbrenner had his fair share of bad signings. I'll admit George had some bad signings. Then we had at everlasting itch. To me, it's the worst because no fans even wanted him to be on the team to begin with. On top of it being big money and long-term commitment to an often injured player clearly on his way down. Yeah, and definitely not to mention that his one good year again was just 2011, so I, I definitely understand that. At Orlando Cash 4HM. Yes, no sizable impact at all in his tenure for a position player. Yes, there can be other dud contracts for sure, but the financial implications to having that amount of dead money, I'm sure, swayed other decisions too. Pretty much all around stinker. Not going to argue with that. Then we had at J. Franklin 2678. I'll say K. Agawa. Fair enough, Jeff. You're not the only one. <laughs> at Wim SJ. This is just further proof that the weasel cashman should be gone. George never made a signing this bad. He made some horrible trades, but a signing like this, never. Well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not so hard on Cashman for anything else other than acquiring starting pitching, as you may know. If you know anything about me and, and you see me tweet often on Twitter and you listen to the podcast on a regular basis, you'll know I don't really think that Cashman is a bad general manager at all. The only area that I've been critical towards him in is acquiring legitimate and solid starting pitching. That's really the main area that I was like, all right, this is getting ridiculous now. He's just missed out on a lot of big names in the starting pitching department. But other than that, I really don't have a problem with Cashman. I don't. Then we had at CJ Cortez 225, Pavano was worse. And don't forget Eddie Whitson. All right, so f- fair enough, Christopher. There are a lot of people, again, as I mentioned earlier, you're going to hear a lot of Pavano and Igawa, and That's fair. Those are some pretty big names. So that seems to be about it for Twitter. And of course, there's about 200 votes right now. More are probably going to pile in up until the moment that the poll ends. And some more replies may come in as well. But for now, as I'm recording, those are all the replies that I have seen on Twitter right now, so let's head on over to Instagram and see the results there for the very same poll. Do you think the Jacoby Ellsbury contract was the worst signing the Yankees ever made? These results were much more clear-cut. Right here on Instagram, 86% said yes, and only 14% said no, there have been worse. So let's head on over to those replies right now and see what people had to say about this poll. We'll start off with my brother's friend, Matt Schwartz.14, said when Ellsbury was on the Red Sox, he looked like he had real potential. But when he came here, he just got worse as the years went on. I couldn't even tell you how many games he played in the last couple of years. Literally, the only thing that I remember Ellsbury doing good was when he stole home against the Rays. That's basically it. They paid him way too much to be this terrible for the organization. Some bold statements there, Matt, and I, I agree with much of it. I truly, truly do. My good friend, Matty O underscore 95, my good friend, Matt O'Leary. Be sure to follow him on all social medias. By the way, I'll definitely give Matt a plug at Matt O'Leary NY. Follow him all over the place. Matt had to say, way overpaid for one outlier 2011 season. A rare miss from Cashman. I, I agree, Matt. Then we had the Dark Knight 025, my good friend James, and you may know him as James Celestin on Twitter at Anime Soldier 01, says that has been the worst signing ever. It was so bad. He barely played and he was useless for us. I pretty much agree with that as well, James. 
So those are all the replies for Instagram. And those are your poll results for this week's poll as far as whether Jacoby Ellsbury is the worst signing in Yankees history, basically. And obviously, we all know that there are many, many names associated with some bad signings and or trades when it comes to the Yankees throughout the years. But that was the question, and a lot of people feel strongly about it, and I would say most people that voted, it's clear they believe that Ellsbury was, in fact, the worst signing the Yankees have ever made. So with that being said, with our weekly poll segment, let's move on to the main talking topics of the day. And if you already recall earlier in the episode, I really did talk about what the main talking points were throughout the week in the Yankees community. And one of them, for some reason, I I still don't understand why this is so unbelievably bizarre, is the fact that Derek Jeter is on the Hall of Fame ballot, as we all know, and the fact that he's most likely going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, as he deserves to be. But there was lots of craziness for some reason on Twitter about Derek Jeter and the kind of player he was, whether he was an average defender or an under-average defender. People comparing him and saying that he's not as good as people make him out to be. And for some reason, I've seen this reoccur on Twitter a lot of times, and I don't really understand it personally. I'm not sure how much bias is coming out of me because I'll openly admit right now Derek Jeter is my favorite player of all time and he has been since I started watching baseball well over 10 years ago. So I don't know how much you can account in for bias, but me personally, I won't even hear those overrated things because when I see someone who's made some of the defensive plays that Jeter has made, even though I know a lot of you want to mention his old defensive stats and how he's no better than average, I've still seen him make some pretty damn good plays throughout the years. And if you want to challenge anything about him offensively, well, then I'm just not even hearing that. Between a 310 career batting average and getting nearly 3,500 career hits, that's all I need to hear right there. Nearly 3,500 career hits, 3,465 to be exact. That's really all I need to hear. Didn't strike out very much. Always, it, it seemed almost every year he had around 200 hits in a single season. He was awfully consistent. And honestly, I know many of us probably saw, you know, those around my age at least, probably saw him towards the middle or the end of his career. I saw the middle to the end of his career, and I'll openly admit that. I don't mind. He's still my favorite of all time, and I think he's one of the best. I just do. I just love Jeter. Everything about him, the way he conducted himself on the field, off the field, and all of it. So I really don't understand all of all of the, you know, the fighting on Twitter about whether he's a first ballot Hall of Fame or whether he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, which I think is utterly ridiculous because I think anybody with common sense believes that he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Honestly, I, I see some people in opposing fan bases having more respect for what Jeter did throughout his career than many Yankee fans do. And I think that's just incredibly outrageous and unfair considering all the memories that we've been given that he was a part of and a big factor in. I don't really understand all of the trashing of Derek Jeter. You know, whether you want to attack the fact that he may have not been much better than average as a defender. I mean, is that really the only thing you have to tell me that Jeter wasn't that great a player, which is utterly ridiculous in itself? I just think a lot of people just really talk out of their ass on Twitter. It's unbelievable. But I'll make it simple. Stop trying to downplay how great he was, because talent like that doesn't come around too often. So why don't you just appreciate it when it's in front of you, and acknowledge that this man is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer as he deserves to be. I mean, I just hate even hearing debate or commentary or argument on this, because it's just downright foolish. It's Derek Jeter we're talking about, and we have people on Twitter thrashing him, basically, telling me that he's not as good as many make him out to be, that he's overrated. I don't want to hear any of that. And again, whether you attribute that to him being my favorite player of all time or whatever you want to attribute it to, I don't care what you attribute it to. 
Stop thrashing Derek Jeter and stop disrespecting the man after everything that he did, not only for the Yankees and for us fans, but for the game of baseball in general. Just think of the amount of times you're going to see a person get around 3,500 career hits. It doesn't happen often. And we got to see it. We're lucky. We're going to be able to tell our kids, our grandkids, that we got to see Derek Jeter play baseball. Just remember that. I'm not sure a lot of people fully grasp that fact or fully respect that fact. Whether you're into analytics or not, I don't care what you are into. If you know anything about me, you know that I try to balance just my eyes and analytics. I like to pay attention to them both and balance the two and come up with my thoughts and opinions and or takes on things. But I don't think it matters which side you follow. I think you should acknowledge that Derek Jeter was a fantastic all-around ball player. I believe he was. And nobody's changing my mind. I don't care with how many stats you come up with saying, oh yeah, look at his defensive stats over here, like run save, or whatever defensive stat you want with analytics. I still think that in a lot of ways, he was fine defensively. I don't think he was the best defensive shortstop of all time, but I don't think he was bad. I think it's utterly foolish to think he was bad. I think he was at least average. And honestly, with everything else he did on the field, I think we can deal with that. But really, I'm just making it simple and saying, stop trashing Derek Jeter and stop wasting your time tweeting nonsense about it. Because guess what? No matter what you have to say on Twitter, he's going to the Hall of Fame and he's likely going to be a first ballot whether you like it or not. And he deserves it. Whether you like how the voting system works or not or whatever you feel, this is the truth. He's going to the Hall of Fame and he's likely going to be first ballot. Deal with it. But as far as any nonsense on Twitter really big thing throughout the week that has been spoken about is, of course, the release of Jacoby Ellsbury, Greg Bird, and Nestor Cortez Jr. Now, of course, when you see these big names, of course, two of them stick out to you as guys who really have not contributed to this team very much, and those two names are, of course, Jacoby Ellsbury and Greg Bird, which which we'll get into them, but Nestor Cortez, I know some people were a little sad to see him go, of course. There were portions throughout the year, especially when the opener was used mainly with Chad Green, and then Cortez would follow after him. Many of his stats once the season ended, probably not the best stats, and and I definitely understand that, but there were moments throughout the year where he came in big for the Yankees, and he was popular here. So I definitely do understand why some people would be sad about that. But as far as the release of Ellsbury or Bird, I kind of find it tough to not defend this action. I understand why they did it fully, and we'll get into all of that. Of course, Greg Bird has been experiencing a lot of injuries throughout the last couple of years and has not been able to contribute much to the Yankees. Greg Bird had his moments with the Yankees, and I'll give him a little sort of homage here, a little salute with his good moments. There aren't many of them, but there are some. In the second half of the 2015 season, when Mark Teixeira was experiencing injuries, that was the first look that we got at Greg Bird. And the first impression that we got of him was this was a tall, thin, left-handed hitter with a sweet swing and some good defensive aspects at the time. We all know how his glove turned out of late. But at the start, he was making good plays defensively. And we thought, hey, when Teixeira retires, whether it be sooner or later, which of course it ended up being sooner because of injuries for Teixeira as well, must be a first base curse thing with the Yankees. But regardless, Bird came in in 2015 and he hit 11 home runs inside of a month and a half or two. We saw a sweet swing. We saw some pretty good defense. And we saw a man that could potentially take the torch from Teixeira after Teixeira was done. And then even in 2017, you fast forward to the playoffs. He had big moments. And at times, he was one of the only ones hitting effectively. As a matter of fact, most people will remember him for his big home run in the ALDS against the Cleveland Indians off of Andrew Miller. A big home run in that series. 
And that's really the finest moment of Greg Bird's career as a Yankee. And that's what many people go back to when they try to think of good moments from him. But other than that, there really aren't many because in the last couple of years, he has massively struggled to even stay on the field, let alone perform well when he is on the field. So I, I guess the Yankees just had enough and it was time to release him. And I don't have a problem with that. I really don't. I don't have a problem with them releasing him one bit. Uh, he just can't stay on the field. And the Yankees have enough people like that, especially with the way the 2019 season came around with all the injuries. <laughs> I definitely understand that. And they have other potential options there. They have Luke Voigt there, which I believe he'll find a way to come back in 2020 once his injury situation is figured out. Of course, he had the massive sports hernia issues, particularly during and then after the London series. After that, he just was not right again. But then you have other options when you hear that they might be giving Miguel Andujar a first base mitt. You never know when that comes around. That could be another option at first or many other options that they may come up with throughout the offseason. I'm not sure what the Yankees are planning as far as other options other than those two potentially. And then, of course, if anyone has a day off, you know DJ can take a first baseman's mitt and take over for there. But other than that, I, I definitely understand for those reasons why they let go of Bird. And of course, as far as Jacoby Ellsbury, who we already established in the poll, is definitely at least one of the worst Yankee signings ever. It's definitely understandable why they released him because it really was confusing as to why they even signed him in the first place, but when he was here, with the exception of maybe a couple of good moments with the Yankees and maybe some okay numbers put up, especially offensively for the most part, I don't think he earned a fraction of the money that the Yankees signed him with. Of course, seven years, $153 million, an absurd amount of years, and an absurd amount of money that no other club even came close to offering him at the time when the Yankees signed him in 2014. And I'll just read off some of his stats because I know a lot. some people may not remember Jacoby's stats very well. But in 2014, he hit 16 home runs, 70 RBIs. I don't really look too sharply at home runs for him because I know Ellsbury was not the vintage power hitter with the exception of 2011, which, as I mentioned, was his really only good year of his career. That was when he was still with Boston in 2011, and many, including myself, disputed the fact that he, he could have been the MVP, and I, I supported that. He definitely could have been. A leadoff hitter, hitting 321 hitting 32 home runs and driving in 105 runs. That's impressive. 928 OPS that year, 376 on base, and 552 slugging. I mean, that that's a damn fine season right there. But other than that, in, in 2012, he only played 74 games. In 2013, he was all right. That was his last year with Boston. Nine home runs, 53 RBIs. The 52 stolen bases is really all that jumps out at you. 298 average, not bad at all. But other than that, then he came to the Yankees in 2014. That was the year he played the most games, only by one more than 2016. He played 149 games, which, you know, you're still missing out on about 13 games there, but that's fine. Compared to some of his other seasons, especially 2018 and 2019, where he played no games, all things considered, pretty good. <laughs> these were, these were probably, this no, these were definitely the best stats that he had with the Yankees. Batted 271, 16 home runs, 70 RBIs, 39 stolen bases. So that's that's an okay season right there. 2014 was okay. It was solid at best. Was it worth the amount of money that the Yankees paid him? Again, back to the point that I made, no, it wasn't. Then you had 2015, and this is where things started to go down. Played 111 games that year. Seven home runs, 33 RBIs, 257 average, only a 318 on base, 345 slugging, 663 OPS. That's That's not great right there. And even the stolen bases sharply declined. He had 52 in 2013. Keep that in mind. 52, then 39 in 2014, then 21 
in 2015. And then in 2016, he played more games again, just one less than he did in 2014 with 148. He had nine home runs, 56 RBIs, 263 batting average, 330 on base, 374 slugging, and 703 OPS. Still not great numbers. An increase from 2015, though, but still not great. Then in 2017, this would be the last time we saw him because, of course, 2018 and 2019 was absolute dead silence from Jacoby Ellsbury. Did not see him one bit. He played 112 games in 2017. He hit seven home runs, drove in 39 runs, and these are really the stats that really mean a lot to me. That's why I name all of them. 264 average, 348 on base, which is better than 2016, and a 402 slugging, leading to a 750 OPS. It's okay. It's blah. It's so blah, some of those numbers. And some of the other numbers are bad. They're just bad. And then, of course, in 2018 and 2019, didn't see him at all. So if you account for all of those numbers, we're talking about someone that even if you agree that some of those numbers were okay, and then plus I'm, I'm also not mentioning other things, his defense was always fine. I always enjoyed watching him play defense. And as I mentioned, I did mention his stolen bases. His stolen bases were fine as well, especially the year that he stole 52 bases. That's impressive. But other than that, the stolen base numbers were good. And the defense was good. His defense was definitely his strongest factor of himself. But the offense was bad or okay at best. And the stolen bases were good. Was it worth a fraction of the amount of money that he made? No, it wasn't. Especially considering the fact that you never even heard of him because of just a pile of injuries throughout the last two years in 2018 and 2019. Now, did the Yankees miss that production very much? No, they didn't. I'm not arguing that. You don't miss that production. But the fact of the matter is, with the amount of years and money you invested in this guy to get that kind of production or no production at all was absolutely absurd, and it was miscalculated from day one. Day one, you saw that 2011 was really his only great season throughout his entire career, and Ellsbury started in 2007. So that's not a bad career as far as length. If you're a player worth a fraction of that amount of money, you should have more than just one really good season on your belt. And Ellsbury does not. That's what he was signed on off of 2011. And then he started to go down even after that, but the Yankees still thought he was worth $153 million over the course of seven years, which is absurd. And it shows you even more so how absurd it was because no team came close to outbidding the Yankees for that price for Ellsbury. What does that tell you? So now, other than that, when you want, if you want, to, we could argue about whether Ellsbury was worth his money or not all day long. You're not changing my mind. But there was even more news beyond the release of Ellsbury, other than the release itself, and that was the fact that the Yankees filed for grievance against him, and they may not have to pay Ellsbury any of the 26 million, or at least a portion of the 26 million dollars guaranteed to him for 2020 which would obviously be good for the Yankees because that money could go into other areas of need, as I've mentioned. And that's a lot of money. So the Yanks, they're basically, their accusations for grievance, it's pretty big. They were more or less accusing Ellsbury of using an outside facility to rehab injuries that kept him off the field for the last two seasons. And John Heyman reported that originally. And then Ellsbury would instead be the one to file a grievance to recover the money withheld by the club. And then the Players Association got involved, and the Players Association basically said they'll vigorously defend any action taken against Jacoby or his contract, and is investigating potential contract violations by his employer. So there's a lot of investigations and bad blood between the Yankees and Ellsbury, as to be expected. 
Because while the Yankees did come up with that contract and they should be held accountable for that, whether it be the Steinbrenner's idea or whether it be Cashman's idea to sign him at the time, because there were rumors that Cashman wasn't really big on acquiring Ellsbury. That came from the top, the way top ownership, the Steinbrenner's. And if that's true, then the Steinbrenner's should be held accountable for it. But there were rumors about that with Cashman and the owners who wanted Ellsbury more, whether they both wanted him or, or what the story was. But regardless, you know, the Yankees should definitely be held accountable for signing him to that kind of contract and miscalculating that from day one when so many people knew that paying him that kind of money at that time was a mistake. But, you know, also, especially if he violated terms of contract by using an outside facility to rehab his injuries, and there were so many injuries, as we all know, if he violated his his contract, and especially with how little he contributed to this club, especially the last two years when we didn't even hear a damn thing about him, then yeah, the Yankees deserve at least a portion of that money, especially if he violated the contract. You violate your contract, you should be in line to at least lose a portion of your guaranteed money. That's just the way that it should work. So we'll see how all of this comes out. I mean, it's just a big fat mess. It was a mess since the day he was signed. But as of now, the Yankees are set to eat the remaining money on his contract. And he was under contract for more than $21 million in 2020. And he had a $5 million buyout for the 2021 season. It's just a mess. And now... Ellsbury at the age of 36, who knows where his career will go from here, I guess. We'll just have to see when it comes to how this whole charade will end between them as it is. And with all of that said, and you know, with all the takes that I just gave, I think it's safe to say that I will support those who voted yes on the polls. The fact that Ellsbury is in fact the worst signing they've made. I do agree with that. Let's just continue the discussion a little further. I want to talk about the two main names that were mentioned in the poll as well when talking about Ellsbury in general. I know we already hit on Cortez a little bit, and we hit on Bird, and we hit on, and now we're still hitting on Ellsbury. But I do want to talk about since many people were comparing other bad signings, mainly Kay Agawa and Carl Pavano, I did just want to talk about them a little bit. So basically, the stats for them were pretty abysmal as well, and the stories behind them were probably even worse. Carl Pavano was signed to a four-year, basically $40 million contract. His stats with the Yankees, he was 9-8 and eight with a 5 ERA, 25 starts, and just 145 and two-thirds innings, which is less than a full season during his four years with the Yankees, which is pretty bad. Namely in 2006, which is a big embarrassment because he started the season on the disabled list with a bruised butt, literally. That was the diagnosis. And then when they tried to take him off the DL, he told them that he had been involved in a car accident with two broken ribs from a week prior, and a lot of the Yankee players had problems with his work ethic, and even Joe Torre at one point came out and said he has a negative perception in the clubhouse, so that was just a big, big mess. And when he did pitch with the Yankees, whenever that was, it was not a good time, as you heard from the stats. 9-8, and eight, a 5 ERA, and he had just come off thinking that he was going to be the next big thing being the Marlins ace, he pitched to an 18-8 and eight record the season prior with a 3 ERA, and then he came to the Yankees and it was just a disaster. And Keigawa, pretty bad as well. Five years, $20 million with a $26 million posting fee as well. His stats with the Yankees, he was 2-4 and four with a 6-6-6 ERA, take that as you will. 13 starts, 16 games, and 71 and two-thirds innings, and during those innings pitched, it was not a good time. He pitched in two really bad seasons in the majors, and he spent two more years in AAA and most of his final season in AA, and Cashman even tried to sell Agawa back to Japan, but Agawa refused to leave. So both of those really, really bad, and of course, the big thing 
for me, and as many others mentioned in the comments to the poll that I really agree with, is the money and the years. That's really the big outlier, the big difference between these contracts with Ellsbury's, and that's what makes Ellsbury's worse, in my opinion. Because while Ellsbury did have his moments, I mean, do those moments really back up seven years, 153? That's the argument I'm trying to make. And many others acknowledge that. It's the length and the money that really made Ellsbury the worst. I mean, missing the last two years, and not only missing the last two years for Ellsbury, but again, not even hearing anything and just being told, yeah, he's got this injury and that injury as well, and we're just hearing nothingness, nothing. It was like dead air. Nothing about Ellsbury. Not worth the money. Not worth a fraction of the money. So, for those of you that voted yes, and there were plenty of you, obviously on both social media platforms, on Instagram and Twitter, I agree with you strongly. Regardless of what happens with this grievance case or what Ellsbury chooses to do with his career after this, I wish him luck in whatever he does. But as far as the Yankees and what he did here, terrible job and an even worse signing by the Yankees and what I consider to be the worst signing they've ever made And I did say earlier, of course, I did run down the list of a few infamous names in Yankees lore, and I do definitely understand people defending those as the worst signings of all time as well. But I firmly believe since day one, Jacoby Ellsbury was the worst signing the Yankees ever made and never earned a fraction of that money. And as it was also said in the comments, maybe if it was less years and less money, then yeah, maybe I could align with it. But the amount that he was given, the contract itself, absolutely ridiculous in every sense. Not worth a fraction of that money. Absolutely terrible by the Yankees. And I really hope that they never come close to making a signing even close to being this bad ever again for their sake and our sake. (laughs) But those were really the main topics throughout the week. It was mainly just the Hall of Fame nonsensical discussion with Jeter and those that choose to just bash him on social media for no reason whatsoever, in my opinion. And of course, the big releases, which I think it's safe to say Yankee fans were waiting for for quite some time, whether it be Bird or Ellsbury or both that you were waiting for. I think a lot of Yankee fans have finally gotten what they have wanted. So with that said, guys, that is it for this episode of Yapping Yankees, another off-season edition. I'd like to thank you so much for listening. Let's shout out Team Left Jab one last time. They feature Team Left Jab Boxing Radio, Team Left Jab Uncensored, and of course the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Be sure to follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms and check out their sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts on Spotify, Blog Talk Radio, iHeart, Apple, you name it. Be sure to check out Team Left Jab. Guys, and while you're at it, be sure to check me out on social media as well, Mike Scudero. You could find my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. You could find me on Twitter, which I'm always very active on, as many of you know, at Mike Scudero. And you could follow me on Instagram as well at Mike Scuds97. And with that said, once again, thank you 3000 for listening. I'm Mike Scudero, and I'll talk to you next Sunday, December 1st, when I come at you with episode 24 of Yapping Yankees. And until then, stay warm for the love of God and have yourselves a great week, guys. Take care.